Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. We have an amazing story for you today. Imagine being born without legs. How would you get around? How would you function? And for Dave Stevens, how in the world do you become a two-time state wrestling champion and play professional baseball? It is just incredible what this man has achieved. And I love how his parents, they didn't coddle him growing up. They said, if you want to go play sports, just go play sports. Also, I appreciate Dave's sense of humor. You will hear some of the funny pranks he used to play on people with his fake legs. Oh my gosh. It was probably my favorite favorite part of the conversation because <laughs> I could picture him doing these pranks, yes. right? Plus, he tells a hilarious story about the time he met Prince. Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode with Dave Stevens. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph, are you ready so for So excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes. I need you to hurry up because I have so many things I want to talk to this man about, and I just need you to get to it. Okay. I've been looking for this conversation as well. Okay. Friends, our next guest is a nationally acclaimed motivational speaker. From the very beginning, the odds have been stacked against this man, but he has used sports as a way to live a normal life. In the 80s, he became the first legless college athlete in NCAA history. And then in the 90s, became the first legless athlete in pro baseball history. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us Good Story, Mr. Dave Stevens. Oh, Dave, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe any of that uh, that you just said. It, it sounds too preposterous, but here I am. You're not kidding. Well, first off, thank you for saying yes, yes. to us. We have been looking forward to this. Oh, my gosh. I'm happy to be here. Thank, thank you. you. So I have reviewed a lot of videos of yours. I have read a lot about you. And the first thing that got me was you talking about immediately you had three strikes against you right out of the gate when you were born. So can you please share what you meant by that? Well, born without legs you know so strike one two immediately put up for adoption my birth mother didn't see me she didn't even know i didn't have legs they just yanked me away and then three a, a loving couple a world war ii veteran and a housewife took me in from foster care right from the hospital and raised me and i was lucky because in those days you could still institutionalize somebody and put them you know in a hospital where their life was over so uh, the only problem was this loving couple in this World War II vet, he was so beat up, he couldn't work after 1975. So we were really poor. And we moved around, I think, 13 or 14 times. I went to five different schools. We ended up in a little cowboy town uh, outside of Wickenburg, Arizona, living in a one-room house where I didn't even have a bedroom. I had like a refrigerator blocking everything. And and so I decided to turn my disability into my ability and started playing sports. And I was playing football and wrestling and baseball. And it took me to these other levels that helped me escape. And I, I'm so blessed that I had those gifts from God to be able to overcome so much. You know, I, I'm very lucky because I, I tell my buddy all the time, he's bald. 
And I said, wow, I'd rather not have legs than to be bald. So I'm, I'm blessed with a good set of hair, too. So you're very blessed. Yeah. It's all about perspective, it's right? It's totally about perspective. Absolutely. So how were you perceived in high school when you started trying out for sports and wanting to do certain things? Well, in the moment, you don't realize what you are. So it was years later when I heard from coaches and people that as I started getting better and parents are going, well, my kid has two legs. How can he be not good enough to do this? And you, and you start to get some of the animosities. And then the opponents are like, well, he doesn't wear shoes. He, he's got to wear shoes and socks to wrestle. And I'm like, I don't have feet. Where am I supposed to put these things? So I've had those kind of things. I've had people try to put me in my place. There was one time uh, my senior year of baseball, and we had this opportunity to make the playoffs in Arizona. And we were facing our biggest rival, Parker, Arizona. And I came up to bat with the bases loaded and, you know, having a low strike zone. I did walk a lot. I came up to bat and I'll never forget a real heavy set Italian guy wearing like a, a wife beater, white t-shirt with armpit stains and just disgusting heavy set guy starts screaming. He's a freak. He's up there to walk. He shouldn't be playing baseball. This is ridiculous. He should be banned. And I looked at my coach and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And my coach says, get in that batter's box. So I get in the batter's box and I, I get up to bat. And that first pitch is low and bounces in the dirt because most pitches did when I came up to bat. But this guy is still relentlessly screaming, he's a freak, he's a midget, he shouldn't be up there. And all the parents are moving away from this dad. And I'll never forget this. I, I, I don't know if it was God or whatever, but I said, not this time. And this pitch was right above my eyes. And I'll just remember just pulling back, back, back and leaning it almost in slow motion like the natural, crushing that ball to the outfield. All three runners score. I get to first base. And even before I almost touched the base, I spun around on one arm and I said, you bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> so great story right my coach comes running across the field and i'm like yeah i'm the hero I, you know we're going to the playoffs and he goes stevens get your butt in the dugout so i go crawling into the dugout and he's like do you know why i took you out of the game and i said well pinch runner like I, I don't know and he said no when you got to first base and you turned and screamed at that guy you became the bully and in life, when we get picked on, the first time we want to get our revenge is to pick on that next person, the first closest person. So when I got to first base, instead of having a beautiful moment, here I am, this 17-year-old kid cussing and swearing at this guy. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, always walk the talk. Always act like you've been there. So from that moment on, I let my actions be my words. It's not my job to turn and let somebody with an IQ of a rock mess up what I did in that moment. So back to when you're a kid and you went to your parents and you told them, hey, I want to play basketball or baseball and football. How did they handle these ideas? Because normally like, no, you're not going to be able to do that. But how did they handle that with you as a child? I mean, God bless them. They didn't handle me any differently. They didn't hold me back. I think the best part of what they did was let me fall, let me fail, rather than saying, you can't do this, you'll get hurt. So they instilled in me that confidence that let me realize that this is my normal. You can label me what you want, but I wake up every day with no legs. So you either choose to be positive about it 
or you can feel sorry for yourself and go, woe is me and look at this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, we don't know how long we're here on, on this earth. So you got to make the most of it. And I, I've chosen to go that other direction. Okay. You are a professional or you were a professional athlete. You were a collegiate athlete. I want to know how much you can bench and how many pull-ups you can do. Because you have to be just all upper body so strength. Strong. Your core has to be so strong. So give it to me, Dave. I was always able to do those entire racks on the leg press. And I don't know how much those are, but I could do that leg press. I think it was four or 500 pounds what? on the leg. Because I would sit in the bench and then I would just shove those things up and let them do back. So I, I never got into the bench part because my legs, I didn't have that, you know. Mm, stability. So I would get on that leg press thing and I would just go, hey, whoop, 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 you know, and people would be like, um, but, you know, it helped me in wrestling was my best sport because I had that advantage against you leggies because you didn't know what to do against a guy with no legs, but I knew what to do against you. And so I beat four times state champions. I beat guys like I won tournaments and I was 98 pounds and yeah, I was a strong 98 pounds, but I had that advantage and coaches learned to use me to that advantage. I wasn't that story of a kid with down syndrome running a football or anything like that. Like I was a genuine athlete on these teams. And so it, you know, I stayed in shape. I'm 55 years old. I'm going to be playing football at the Super Bowl in a game with Snoop Dogg in a flag football game. You know, I continued to take batting practice and, you know, I, I never dreamed at my age I would be doing these kind of things that most kids are, are doing at age 22, 23. Okay. So you're going around on a skateboard with your hands. How calloused were your hands for wrestling for, I mean, were they just super callous? Did you have to worry about bleeding and bandaging them? Just wear gloves everywhere. Yes. But my hands are my feet and they're, you know, you can see the calluses on it. It's been a lot, but I've been lucky to never break a bone in my fingers or really arms that I've had rotator cuff surgery on this one and then two on this one. And, uh, trying to recover with one arm and no legs is, you know, one of the biggest things you got to do for a month or two, but my teenage sons keep me active playing baseball with them and playing catch. Hello, friends. We just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you to all of you loyal listeners. That's right. We just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 2% of all podcasts worldwide. And that's because of you sharing us with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on the Apple Podcast app and all the other platforms. So please keep it up. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Okay, Dave, I want to brag on you for a minute here. All right. So for most of our guests, I give a list of fun facts. And I got to tell you, yours are absolutely fascinating. And so I have not informed Steph of any of these. Nope. All right. So as we go through these, we're going to have a lot of questions. Okay. As a teenager, he was on the show called That's Incredible. That happened to be the same exact episode as a four-year-old kid named Tiger Woods. What? Yeah. That little punk was chipping <laughs> balls off my fake legs in the green room. Really? His dad, Earl, he was just letting him chip him, and he kept hitting me in the leg. And I was like, ow, ow, even though it didn't hurt, you know? And, and I was just like, who's this punk kid, you know? I mean, it really is. Like, you think about it's about all these people that I, I've met along the way. You know, I I hope I don't blow one of your fun facts, but I have I've met Prince twice and had a conversation with Prince. 
on a dare in Minnesota. I was at uh, all at this party at Glam Slam at Prince's Place. It was a media party. And I was on my crutches and my local TV station buddies were around me. And they're like, there's Prince. We dare you to go over to Prince. And Prince didn't talk to anybody, never had any interaction with anybody, even though he owned the place. And, you know, he was very mysterious. So I crutch up over to him and, and he had this big Hulk Hogan type dude bodyguard that was like, what do you want? And I'm like, I wanted to meet Mr. Prince. <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't talk to anybody. And then I hear this little Michael Jackson voice in the background, let him buy. So this big guy moves and I'm standing there on my crutches, just petrified. And suddenly for your really older generation that were Saturday Night Live fans, my voice turned into Ed Grimley. <laughs> and I started going, Mr. Prince, it's wonderful to meet you, I must say. Would you ever like to go to the Timberwolves game? I could get you. Wait, you could just buy the team. And my voice wasn't connected to my brain. And these stupid things were coming out of my face. And he's probably just going, this guy just has a mental disease or he's a make-a-wish kid, whatever. And so just the stuff's coming up. I'm like, you know, you're just wonderful. And I just love all your hits. And then these two women come up right at that moment. And they're like, do you want to dance? And I just became invisible. He just turns away from me. That was my moment with Prince. But it was really kind of cool to meet him and talk to him. And uh, I met him one other time on my crutches going upstairs. And he was coming down. And he's like, that must be a bummer, man. I'm like, yeah. You know, so that was our other interaction. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> thanks a lot there, Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So he was a socially awkward, as, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Yeah, handshake like a fish, very effeminate type voice. And that's him hosting a party at his house in his own environment, too. Okay, so next fun fact. Okay. All right. At Wickenburg High School, which is in Arizona, Dave here was a three-sport athlete playing football, baseball, and wrestling. Dave set three Arizona State high school records, most takedowns in wrestling, most career baseball walks, in the season record for walks in the state of Arizona. In baseball, he hit over 300. Oh, wow. And played in right field. So how quick are you? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I could scoot okay. I could run on a good day on my arms in those days. Uh, I could do a, a nine flat 60-yard dash. But in baseball, I just learned to adapt and learn to run and catch and you know make one-handed catches and be able to fired in, you know, to the cutoff man. Most of the time I knew I wasn't going to gun somebody at home plate. So you just work on those throws to second base or anticipating that you need a faster center fielder to overcome my slowness and all those kind of things. But to be able to start, you know, meant so much to me because it wasn't like I'm coming off the bench as a, a pinch hitter or whatever. I was a starter. Well, Dave, I was amazed watching the videos of you, your range in right field, you got around so well, you would get on your right hand yeah. to like elevate yourself to be able to make the catch. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. Okay, here you go, Steph. Ready? Yes. In his high school in Phoenix, Dave won the state wrestling championship two times. Did you really? Not one, but two. You know, was it cheating that I was 98 pounds and didn't have legs, but the upper body of like 145? I don't know. So who has the advantage, you know, going into that? So when I was at Augsburg, we were at a, the Bison Open in North Dakota, and somehow I got drawn against an Olympian. Oh, no. Right? Zero, zero first period because he didn't know how to take me down, and I didn't let him. And I was, I was like, hey, this is easy. This is Olympia, you know? 
next period, he picked me up, slammed me on my head, almost knocked me out. And it was like, welcome to the real world, big boy. So it's like Arizona wrestling probably wasn't at the level of what it is like in the Midwest and everything like that. But I'm still proud of, you know, what I did, the trophies and medals and things that I have. And it's, it's always very special to me. Well, and like you said, with wrestling, who has the advantage? They have four limbs that they can try to wrap around you. You have two so, yes, you have that upper body strength, but I can't even imagine you trying to dodge four different limbs coming at you at once. <laughs> oh, you learn to spin and, you know, it's fun. To, but I had WWE moves where I thought if a guy thought they were taking me in my back, I would roll through and do a somersault and, you know, do all kinds of cool things. And, you know, you, you just learn to adapt. I, I had the privilege at the Super Bowl and I was interviewing an MMA guy named Jorge Masvidal who set the MMA fastest record takedown and win. I think it was like eight seconds in a match okay. that he won a MMA match. And we were talking, I'm like, Oh, I was a wrestler. And he goes, Oh, what was your move? And we got down and we, we shook hands and I knew my move, which is if you grab somebody with legs, if you grab their arm, their instinct is to pull their arm back, which is exposes their leg, even to a genius like that. So we started I grabbed his arm, he pulled back, I took his leg, and I took him down within four seconds. I have an even faster takedown on him than he did, but I like inspiring people too. Like I, I enjoy making people realize that that's not what a human being with that situation should be like and do. And that's why I'm like, well, more people can do those kind of things. You know, yeah. let's get that mindset into the military. Hire disabled people to create our defense systems. You don't need to carry a backpack 20 miles in the mud. Diversity used to mean everybody. Now diversity seems to mean an ethnicity or a color, and we're not included anymore. And the, the disabled world is the biggest minority in the world. And in fact, it's the only minority where you can become a member at any time. You could lose a leg. You could have a stroke. You could become disabled. You could be in a car accident. You know, right. And we have the most people in our group but we have the smallest voice. Oh, that's good. All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. So what's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book? Honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes. And? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what, what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. All right, so Dave here, in the late 1980s, became the only legless college athlete in the history of the NCAA at Division Three Augsburg University in Minneapolis, where he played football, baseball, and he wrestled. You did all three in college? I tried. <laughs> did you attend school or just play sports, Dave? I'm curious here. <laughs> That was one of those dumb jocks that kind of made their way through, you know, just whoever was the highest bidder. But, uh, you know, I did football three years. I did baseball uh, and, and wrestling one year because it was too much with a full-time job at a TV station in Minnesota, you know. Yeah. And then 25 years ago in 1996, Dave made professional sports history 
when he signed a three-week minor league contract with the St. Paul Saints. He's the only legless player in pro baseball history. So on this independent baseball team stuff, he was teammates with Daryl Strawberry and started at second base for one game with the Saints. Wow. So being at second base... Was that nerve-wracking in regards to getting a bad hop and you're already you're so low to the ground that you're going to take one off your face? I mean, man, professional baseball, it's a ground ball, it's yeah. coming at you really quick. Oh, it was it was crazy. Marty, the manager, I, I wanted to be in right field. That's where I'd been all my life. But Marty started me as a catcher for the first few days. Okay. So I was doing bullpen sessions with Jack Morris, future Hall of Famer, and other guys. But I took a pitch in the dirt to my groin really bad, Okay. Uh, even though you have a cup on. And, and I was kind of like, you know what? Let's go back to something else. So <laughs> Marty put me at second base and I started you know, doing the infield stuff. And again, it, I have less range, but it's an easier thing if you know how much you got to make up for. So, And then the next day I see the lineup card. And it's like leading off and playing second base. Dave Stevens, Daryl Strawberry is, you know, clean up. And Jack Morris is on the mound. I'm like, what? whoa. And it was just fun to come up with the crowd. And, you know, I fouled off a few pitches and I took a called third strike, which was not a strike. The crowd booed <laughs> relentlessly. But, um, but uh, and then to go on the road. And, and to me, the even bigger deal was Daryl Strawberry. We were in Madison and Straw hit three home runs that day. And he's like, I'm done, Skip. And the next thing I hear over the PA system is now batting for Daryl Strawberry, Dave Stevens. And I'm like, is there another Dave Stevens on this team? So I'm like, he goes, get up there. I'm like, well, you can hit a fourth home run. He goes, I've had a good day. Go have yours. So I go up. I come up again, foul off another couple. And, and again, another called third strike. But this time I swung because I knew they were going to call it. But So Dave, you have known Daryl Strawberry, I guess, before the transformation to like a minister and so you knew him back then, right? When he was in the middle of drug abuse and all yeah. kinds of issues. So what was he like back then? Was it as bad as what the you know 30 for 30 documentaries are? Or you just kind of saw a small glimpse that summer? No, Straw was at his lowest point. And in fact, I didn't find out years later that, and, and it really, it, it, it makes me humble to even tell this story. But, you know, when I came out into the field that day, all eyes were supposed to be on Daryl Strawberry. But suddenly these New York TV stations and all these people that were here to cover his failure story saw this dude without legs and they all went Foom, and they started covering that story. And Daryl said he was going to walk on the field and announce his retirement. And he saw a dude without legs out there playing baseball. And he said it reinvigorated him. And he said he would not have continued if it wasn't for me. So I absorbed Whoa. that negative press and we started having this bond. And so we just talked and we had lunches together and he drank his iced tea and I had my diet Coke. And we just talked about what he went through and the struggles of what the pressure was like in New York. And he ended up going to the Yankees in that same season and going to a world series and getting cancer, but rebounding. And now, now he's a minister and he's got a book. That's another book that's out. And he and his wife are, are doing amazing things with their ministries. And because we're all human, you've gone through your struggles, both of you, and it wasn't in the limelight, but you need those people. You need those supports to help you battle those things to get it, to get those second chances. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Dave has tried out for the Dallas Cowboys, Cincinnati Reds, and the Minnesota Twins. And Dave, I watched a video of your tryout. And Steph, he did the 40-yard dash, of course, on his hands. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who cares what he ran? I don't know what he ran, but the other competitors 
it looked like gave him a standing ovation. Mm. Dave, what was that like back in the day, actually getting a legitimate chance to try out for the Cowboys? It was embarrassing, yet overwhelming. Because again, in those days when they had those kind of tryouts, you had major big athletes and there's all this noise going on. And then suddenly I'm running my dashes and it's quiet. And all you hear is me going, fum, 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 fum. and then this roar of applause for the worst time of the day. And it's just very humbling. And side note, I was invited to the Cowboys tryout, but I was invited to go to training camp with the Green Bay Packers. Really? And I took the Cowboys over the Packers at that time because nobody liked them. And, <laughs> and, you know, it was like Dallas was America's team. And, you know, but knowing that I've done one thing or two things that no one will ever do is it's, it's my legacy. You know, it, it's something I can lead. I love that you are willing to try anything and you're willing to figure it out whether it's basketball or mm-hmm. wrestling, like just, just try, just trying, just, try. just having the courage to try mm-hmm. people today. Don't seem to have that courage. They're they so don't. scared to fail. They're scared to fail. Their parents have coddled them too much. Yes. Like, I love it that your parents were like, no, go do it. You can do this and gave you the confidence. Like, no, try. If you pick yourself back up, it's okay. Too many parents don't do that. And I hate that, but I love that you can inspire people like, okay, he can do it. So can I. My mom was so ignorant in sports, too, that my very first football game, she had to be explained what I was doing on defense. And then the very first play when they said I shouldn't be playing and couldn't do it and all the tests I had to go through to beat it, I tackled the running back. And my mom started crying because she thought I was hurt under all that pile. And I come out and, you know, the crowd's going nuts. And my mom starts crying and my dad... You know, and that's on tape. Like that's there's video of that, and and it it makes me feel like, like you said, like it's better to try and fail than to sit around twenty, thirty years going. I should have asked that girl out. I should have tried for that job. I should have gone into drama or theater. All these things that people get those pressures not to do. And I say, if you have those gifts, and a guy without legs can go and try and fail and succeed, like what is your freaking excuse? And my body's breaking down. I might have bursitis in this shoulder, but I have so much that I still want to give and teach and try to explain that, hey, there's so many other people out there with those gifts. Let's give everybody those opportunities. Mm. So Dave has been featured on That's Incredible, CBS Morning News, The Today Show, Good Morning America, This Week in Baseball, Baseball Tonight, Extra, USA Today. What else? The National Enquirer. Forbes, Forbes a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> ESPN Sports Center. And now tell us a good story. Obviously tell us I mean, a good story. <laughs> it just got it gets better and better for him. But he was also featured on the cartoon American Dad, which was created really? by Seth MacFarlane. How did you find out about that? When I was watching the show, and I'm a huge fan, and Steve was doing something where he was a wrestler on the high school team, and his first match, here comes this kid flying around on a skateboard with no legs. Skates up to the mat, walks around in his arms, pins the guy, sticks him, walks around in his arms, and suddenly skates off. Like, and, and it's like, you know, I know there was a writer from Arizona that had to have had some sort of backstory with this thing. And, and it's just neat to see that because anybody that sees it, you look at that cartoon, it's me. Yes. It's my hair, it's my body, and, and it's everything. And I'm flattered by it. It's cool that, uh, you know, somebody would remember that and put it into some sort of cartoon. And I enjoyed it. Kevin, do you like to help your friends out? It depends. 
If our friends are asking me to help them move, then no, I absolutely do not <laughs> like to help my friends out. But what if your friend had a weekly radio show and podcast and just wanted you to tell someone about it? Yes, I could totally do that. That is much easier than me trying to carry a piano down into a basement, which has happened to me in the past, and you know who you are. <laughs> friends. We are not asking you to carry a piano for us, but if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. So Dave, how do you handle kids, children, when they see you for the first time? Because I'm assuming you get quite the reaction, right? And adults are stupid. They say dumb things. So how do you handle when a child comes up to you and they're nervous to talk to you? How do do you handle that? I try to embrace it. I try to shake their hand or make it personal because, you know, anything that we aren't used to, we're afraid of, we're apprehensive and we're scared. And the parents, you know, you hear the craziest things. Mike, kids and I enjoy going through the malls and the stores hearing, look at that, I have no legs, and then stop or the reactions and stuff. Because as I say, people are going to stare. Like I said, I try to go up to the kids and make it personable, make it not so scary. So the next time they see a veteran or someone wounded, they'd be like, oh, I met this guy, you you know, and and it's, it's okay. It's We're okay. Not so, right. And if the parents can start initiating that at an early age, then it'd be less awkward because most of the times when I speak at schools, it's the first time kids have ever seen anybody like that. And, I, and the kids love me. It's like, I don't know if it's because I'm down at their level. Like dogs love me too. You know, they lick my face and they're excited. Human, human, human. You're never this low. You're never this low. <laughs> you know, um, but the kids are like that. They want to hug it because we, they don't get to be at that level with adults. Yeah. And I think they, they see me as this kid adult. So they can open up more. They want to hug me. They want to be around me. And I just try to go with it because you can you can really teach them at an early age. Yeah. Well, Dave, I was watching something last night on you and I busted out laughing. And I appreciate your sense of humor in regards to how you how you make light of things. Can you tell Steph the story of what you used to do in high school in regards to like laying in front of your car and this the stuff you did? Can you tell Steph yeah. that story? See, it's embarrassing when my friends get around my kids because then they tell them all these crazy stories of, you know, we would take my fake legs and I'd put them on one end of a, a bus and me at the other side and it looked like it ran me over in the middle of the street. Or I'd go to a wrestling tournament and I'd bury it, would be like two inches of snow on the ground and I'd bury it up to my waist and sit on the ground. And the teams would come off the bus and I'd say, you can't go through this snow back. And they'd literally walk around to get into the thing. And <laughs> would I want my kids to do those kind of things? But it would make my friends laugh. It would. It was. It was okay for me. Okay, so my favorite part of that is the fact that he buried himself in the snow and people had to like go walk around. around. <laughs> I think that is fantastic. I, well, to your point, I still do those kind of things every do now you? and then. I'll, I'll bury myself in a sand trap, and I'm not opposed to doing things that draw attention. And my kids hate it. Like they don't. <laughs> They see my things on TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, Dad, come on. You know, you're 55. <laughs> yeah. So Dave here has spent over 37 years in the television industry, including 20 at ESPN, where he was the first disabled person to be hired at ESPN. He was the assignment desk manager, then a coverage editor. I don't know what those are, but he covered 14 <laughs> Super Bowls, three World Series, three NCAA Final Fours, 
and was awarded seven National Sports Emmys during his career at ESPN. That's amazing. What was your favorite interview you've ever done? Man, that's tough. There's a couple. You know, Gronk has been good a few times. JB Smoove. I think my favorite is uh, Aaron Rodgers okay. um, in Lambeau Field. I had just played flag football at halftime, and then I get to go interview Aaron Rodgers. And it was right the week before they were going to play the Patriots, and everybody was talking about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. And so I got an exclusive one-on-one, and I say, okay, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Everybody's talking about it. I go, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? (laughs) And he's like... Because he was prepared for, you know, Tom Brady versus, yeah. you know, this. And he's like, I don't even know if we have a Dunkin' Donuts. And, and it just opened him up. And like, I like to ask questions that get them to talk differently. So during your time at ESPN, what was one of the more favorite people that you worked with? Whether it was Chris Berman or Dan Patrick or Kenny Main. Do you have any good stories from working with those guys? I got them all because Dan Patrick took me under his wing. We became good friends. Kenny Main and I are best friends to this day, and Chris Berman and I are very special. He calls me Cat uh, because of Cat Stevens. For people that don't know who that that is, it was a singer. You know, yes, hey, Cat! Okay. To this day, it's Hey, Cat! Cat! People don't know what that means, but they you know they embraced me. They they treated me normal. They they treated me like an equal, and and that's I think the most special story in memory is. They just let me be me and, and let me you know, help their careers grow while my career grow. And, and now to this day to still be able to text Boomer and have him do stuff for me, interviews or go down and see Dan Patrick or you know, the late Stuart Scott, you know, right. having a relationship with him. And I just cherish all my memories. Can you imagine his phone contact list? Oh, my gosh. scrolling through his contacts. People don't believe it. I'm like, oh, there's Lee Steinberg. Here's Daryl Strawberry. You know, like, right. So Dave here is a motivational speaker, host of the show Press Box on the Disability Channel, and an adjunct professor at, I'm going to try to say this correctly, Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. Did I yes. get that right? Yes. You did very. You did better than the former president, Donald Trump. He, he butchered it because Quinnipiac's known for their hockey team and their presidential polls. So um, you know, it took me a while, but hey, they brought me in. I got to start Ability Media here. We're a shameless plug, and uh, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And Dave's greatest accomplishment, Steph, has been raising his three teenage sons who all share his love for baseball. Mm, I love that. Listeners, for more information about Dave, you can go to all of his social media handles, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's at Dave Stevens Speaks. Also, his website is DaveStevensSpeaks.com. And I'd highly encourage you, check out his YouTube channel because like he said, there are a ton of videos on there. It shows him pinning guys in high school. Like he said, the WWE move and stuff like that. Like <laughs> It is incredible when you see like how quick he was. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just blown away how, how much strength he'd have in his upper body. Just sure. incredible. Well, Dave, seriously. Thank, thank you. Thank you so very much for spending some time with us here. You guys have been great. This was not the norm, like you said, so I enjoyed it. Yes. I think I talked too much. Never, <laughs> never. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.